Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of 2 Kings. The Old Testament book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings and chapter number 6. 2 Kings and chapter number 6. We're now on our downhill slope of dealing with the life and ministry of Elijah and Elisha. And we've already explored the life of Elijah, and now he's up in heaven. And now his servant, his protege, is now taking charge. And he's been the prophet during this time for quite a while now. And he's been having adventure and dealing with the king and seeing kid, uh, child raised back to life. And has been watching miracles. But now is starting to be a hard time within the country of Israel, that they've been having problems with their neighbor of Syria, that Syria has been trying to do little raids and trying to uh, provoke attacks against Israel. And it's during this time that a very interesting military event occurs. And so if you don't mind, let's pick it up in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. The book of 2 Kings chapter 6. And notice with me starting at verse number 8. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not through such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dotham. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host that they may come by night and could pass the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, the host come past the city, both with the horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are far more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you shall seek. But he led them to Samaria. 
And it came to pass when they came to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Syria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those that thou have taken captive with the sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, will you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 2 Kings? The book of 2 Kings chapter 6, and notice with me if you don't mind, in verse number 20. In verse number 20, <laughs> where it says, open the eyes of these men that they may see. Open the eyes of these men that they may see. And with the Lord help. I want to preach a message here of open their eyes that they may see. Open their eyes that they may see as we deal with Elisha and the Syrian sovereign. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And this is a powerful message. And we're praying that this powerful message would have powerful results. In fact, I pray specifically that you would open the eyes of everyone who hears this message. That you would open their eyes that they can see spiritually what you're doing. That they could have understanding and discernment dealing with this fact. And that this message would revolutionize. It would change their life. It would change their prayer life. It would change how they interact and how they respond because they understand this principle that you can open our eyes and that there are so many things that we do not see. Lord, fill me with your precious spirit and please get your own work accomplished through your precious word now that you would direct my thoughts, direct my path, that you would make this clear and understandable. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we come to this passage, we can see that there's some important things going on. We know politically we have Israel, and right above Israel you have Syria. And Syria for a while has been sending little attack bands into Israel to kind of provoke them, to kind of do some raids, just some border skirmishes, just to kind of weaken them up, to kind of get them frustrated. But it backfires on them. If you don't mind, the very first thing I'd like to show you is the need to see. The need to see. We could see right here there's someone that needed to see something. The first thing that we understand under here is that the king of Syria's plan. Notice with me in verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, And such as such shall be a place. So here's the king's plan. He says, All right, we've got the map. You can imagine the war room. Here's the map of Israel and Syria. And it's a big map. And they have the little wadis and the trees. And they have uh, everything set up. Let's put a map. Let's put a camp here. And from this camp, we can go ahead and we can uh, explore all this northern region. Let's uh, put a camp here and let's here. We know the king of Israel may pass here. And then we could go ahead and capture him. And so they're making all these plans about where to go. 
But after that, we could see the king of Syria's frustration. Notice with me in verse 9. And the man of God, that's Elisha, sent unto the king, saying, Beware that thou pass not through a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. Could you imagine this? So the king of Israel, trying to do his own duties, and he gets a letter, a message comes up and says, Here's a message from the preacher. All right? King, I just want you to let you know that in such and such a place, that's where the Syrians are at. Really? Okay. And so he goes and sends a little army squad to go find them. And sure enough, he chases them out like rats. And you know what happens? The king of Syria says, huh, well, that was kind of a lucky thing. Let's do it again. And so they get another place and another encampment. And Elisha sends a message to the king and says, guess what? There's another encampment right over here. Hmm. We'll check this out. And so he sends his army to go by and finds them. And sure enough, he scatters them like rats. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 10. And the king of Israel sent to the place of the man of God told him and warned him of and saved him there. Not once nor twice. That phrase is a poetical saying that it wasn't just once. It wasn't just twice. It was a bunch of times that this occurred. A bunch of times. You say, really? You know that God can tell and warn us? It's the work of God's prophets, God's messengers to warn people. And after that, after the message has been given and given of warning, if people choose not to heed the warning, it's their own fault. The king could have ignored it and said, I don't care what the preacher says. But then he would have suffered for it. You know, God does the same thing now. Is that Sometimes people may not see things. They may not understand it. But God gives a messenger to give you a warning. To tell you what the Bible says. Then it's up to you to respond to that warning. What are you going to do because of what was given to you by the preacher? God says to the preacher, this is what I want you to deliver. This is God's word. This is what I want you to say. And it could give you a warning. It could tell you where the enemy is. It could tell you how to prevent things. How do you respond to that? Your response is up to you, Nan. All I am is the messenger boy. I just give information. But then we come to the idea here that we saw the king of Syria's plan and his frustration. But then we see the king of Syria's question. Notice this. Now, when you start to get curious, if every time you put a, a little a base, a little mercenary squad somewhere and they keep getting flushed out time and time again. Notice in verse 11. Therefore, the heart of the king was sore troubled for this thing. It means he was, he was very upset. And he called for his servants and said to them, Will you not show us which one is for the king of Israel? He says, someone's got to be telling him. This has happened so many times now. Someone has to be a spy. Which of you are telling the king of Israel? Which of you are leaking information? And all the servants, can you imagine how scared they are? It's not us. It's not us. Notice what they do say. Verse 12. And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that's in Israel. Notice how specific they say. Telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. He says, man, it's that preacher. That preacher seems to know everything. I mean, if you whisper it in your bedchamber, he knows it. And he's given all that information. It's not us. It's that preacher that's delivering all the information. It's the preacher. If you could get him to stop delivering information, then we could overrun the people. 
That was the plan. That was the attack. So we could start off with seeing the need to see. We have the king of Israel who needed to see what was going on. But then we come to the idea of asking to see. Asking to see. So with this we see the situation with fear. So notice with me in verse number 12. So here they blame the preacher. It's the preacher. So the king says, all right, if it's the preacher, if we could take him out of the equation, then everything's good. Notice verse 13. And he said, this is the king, go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. So he tells his servants, all right, if you say it's Elisha's fault, you go find out where he's at. Go send spies in the land. You tell me where he's living at. You tell me where his camp is. And so they dismiss. They go and spend send some people to Israel and they find out where the preacher's at. And they come back and said, he's at Dotham. He's at Dotham. Now Dotham is an important place. It happened to be the same place where Joseph's brothers threw him in the pit and sold him for slavery. So this is that same place. Now Elisha's here. And I want you to see this story now. Verse uh, 14. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots And a great host. This means he sent lots of people. Man, we're not going to let this preacher get away. We're not going to send a small squad. We're not sending our backup squad. We're sending our main A squad. We're sending the varsity. We're sending a great army. We're not going to let this one little preacher get away. And so they have chariots. And they have horses. And they have a great host. And they come surround the city. They came in the middle of the night. And so they're trying to be quiet. They surround the entire city. And then notice this. And it came to pass when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth. Behold, the hosts compassed the city with both horses and chariots. So here's the servant of the man of God. He's got to wake up early to do the chores. So he wakes up early. You can imagine him with a bucket and he's going out. And uh, from the place he's staying, he's almost whistling. And then all of a sudden his hair starts handing prickling up. He gets the goosebumps. Feels like someone's watching him. And so he looks up. My mind's eye, I can almost see like a teenager with a Walkman on or ear plugs on, you know, just minding his own business and then stops and looks around and sees this whole army that's around him. No one else is up yet. Drops the bucket scared to death. They're all over the place. What do you do? I meant, do you shout? Do you sneak away? Do you hope they don't find you? Notice what the servant does. Verse 15 at the end. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, what do we do? Elisha! Elisha! He comes in. He's panicked. I meant, wouldn't you be if the enemy army surrounded outside your door and they're all around you? I meant, there's tons of them, horses and chariots, and they're all staring, waiting for this response. And he runs in, Elisha, master, what are we going to do? They're all around us. You could see them just panicked and just frustrated. What are we, what are we going to do? Uh, are... Elisha calms them down. Elisha's no big deal. Notice if you don't mind. So we start off with a situation with fear. But then we have the situation of fear not. Notice the exact words that Elisha said in verse 16. And he, that's Elisha, answered, fear not. Why not? For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. 
So this guy comes out, looks at all the people, drops the bucket, starts getting back, goes, Elisha, Elisha, there's so many of them. Elisha says, no big deal. There's more on our side than that's out there. Did you see out there? You'd almost see the servant kind of poke his head out there. Uh Uh-uh. One, two, uh -uh. Uh, uh-uh. Where are they at then? There's tons of them. I want to see our army. Where are they at? Elisha says, no problem. Verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Now remember that whenever God repeat something, he's trying to put an emphasis. If you would not mind to pay attention to the rest of the passages, how many times God puts an emphasis on eyes and sight? This is an emphasis that he places over and over. So he prays, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord, notice it was God that opened his eyes. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. So he comes in, he's panicked. Elisha says, no big deal. There's more of us than of them. Really? God's in Elisha's praise right then and there. God opened the eyes of this young man that he may see. And all of a sudden, God revealed to him the spiritual world. There's a world beyond that what we can normally see. And as he looks, there's the host of Syria. But behind them is these chariots of fire. Angels all ready to protect the man of God. Elisha wasn't worried. He knew that God had him protected. You know, it's amazing about the human eye. Do you know that the human eye can only see limited? It cannot see everything around it. Our eyes only see a tiny fragment of the electromagnetic spectrum. Now, the electromagnetic spectrum is a huge spectrum that goes through a lot of different um, wavelengths and that do different things. For example, you have electrical power transmissions and then you have cosmic rays. In between those, you have radio waves. You have heat waves. You have light waves. You have ultraviolet uh, rays, x-rays, gamma rays. You have this huge spectrum. Now in between the heat waves and the ultraviolet rays is a narrow sliver in which our eyes are sensitive to. If you were to use a linear scale to uh, represent the known electromagnetic spectrum, the spectrum would be 300 billion miles long. And if that electromagnetic spectrum is stretched out to um, represent all the linear waves, and it would be 300 billion miles long, what we can see out of that spectrum is one inch. We can only see one inch of a spectrum that is 300 billion miles long. You know what we are? We're blind. We can only see a tiny bit. And by the way, that's the material world. That's the plane that we live in. That's not talking about the spiritual world. We are truly blind. 
It's amazing. There's so much that we cannot see. And yet we react by only what we can see. Here's a young man who could not see that he was protected by God. All he saw was the situation and the situation caused him panic. The preacher said, fear not. Because there's some things you can't see. You don't see the entire picture. You don't see everything that's around you. You don't see what God sees. You don't have enough information. The small amount of information that you have, you're panicking over. But that's so small compared to what's really out there. Then he prayed. And this man, because he's able to see the host of angels that are surrounding them. Do you know that angels are real? Now, they're not what some people imagine. They're not little babies inside of diapers that have wings and play harps. That's not how the Bible describes them at all. But there are angels, and part of their job is that they are ministering spirits for the saved. That's Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Jesus says that every child has a ministering spirit. Even Israel has its own high-ranking angel, Michael, the archangel. And angels are used to protect God's men, to protect God's people. God has protection over them. May I give you two historical stories? One was John Wesley, who was a circuit-riding preacher in America uh, before before, (coughs) uh, starting off the first Great Awakening. He was used to travel tons of miles, and a lot of those miles were dangerous. There was a time that John Wesley was riding down the trail, and in the underbrush, in the side of them, he could see bandits. He was riding along a road that was known for bandits, and as he saw them, he knew they were after him. As he rode some more, he could see them circling and trying to prepare when they were going to attack. And it was at that time that another rider came up beside him, a stranger, and And uh, John Wesley pointed out and said, do you see those guys? He says, I do. And says, let's ride together for safety. And as they were riding, John Wesley notices the other bandits started to dissipate and started to go away. They said, this isn't the target we want. And he was going to point that out to the rider beside him. And he was gone. John Wesley believes that was an angel there sent to protect him from those bandits. Maybe you could take David Brainerd, who was... (coughs) Uh, a missionary to the Indians and did a lot of work with the Indians, but it was not always safe. In 1774, the Indians were on a rampage and they saw uh, David Brainerd and they had plans to kill him. And so they were sneaking up on him, following him. And they watched as David Brainerd went into his tent and he began to pray. And so they were planning their attack and they were watching. And as he was praying, they watched as a viper came up, rose up, ready to attack exposing its fangs. And as it went to attack, it stopped suddenly in the mid-strike. It went back down and slithered away. The Indians that were watching him looked around and said, the great spirit's watching over him. We should step away. And they walked away from David Brainerd. David Brainerd didn't even know. It wasn't until those Indians came to know the Lord that they told him that story. Maybe a more modern illustration There was a church that felt burdened to pray for one of their missionaries who was 
in danger. And so they kind of canceled the preaching service and said, we need to pray for him. We don't know why. We don't know what's going on. But we need to pray for this missionary right then and there. There happened to be 240 people inside of that prayer meeting. And they prayed and they prayed. Not knowing that at that same exact time, there was a missionary who was under attack, who was getting ready to die. Some bandits were coming in. They were going to rob his house. And they, they, um, <coughs> they were going to uh, tie up his family, kill his family, rob his home. And as they were beginning to do that, the missionary and his family were in the middle of the room, scared. And all of a sudden, there was some bandits shouting. And they said, listen, listen, we got to go now. We got to go now. They said, we've counted, there's 240 spirits out here, something, men, we can't explain. And they're coming our way, we need to go now before they capture us. And they took away. You said that's kind of spooky, that's kind of whatever. Well, I understand there is a world that we cannot see. And there's a God that can work. And there's more about us than what we can see. Sometimes what we see causes us to panic. But let me tell you that there's a God who knows more. And he knows how to watch over us. And he knows how to protect us. And that if we're doing what's right and we're doing God's work, we could expect God to defend us. We could expect God to get his own work accomplished. And so the answer for this young man is to fear not. To fear not. You know, we all go through overwhelming circumstances we all go through circumstances that we don't understand we all see things that cause us to wonder and sometimes what we see doesn't give us much hope David in the midst of his worst times you know what he said in Psalm 27 verse 14 he said I believe to see the goodness of God He's at a place where he can't see the goodness of God. He just had to believe to see the goodness of God. He said, there's a realm out there that I can't see. And what I do see, my limited scope, it's not good. And it's not very hopeful. But I have to believe to see the goodness of God. I have to trust that there's something that I cannot see that's still good. And that's still right. And so our response should be to fear not. To fear not. Well, the story goes on. What we see here is we started with the need to see. Then we came to the idea of asking to see. But now we see this principle of getting others to see. Of getting others to see. So notice, if you don't mind, we see that Elisha prayed again. Notice in verse 18. And when they came down to him, so once they realized that Elisha was there, this whole host came down. The chariots and the army and the horses. They all came down to surround Elisha and his little house where he was staying at. Could you imagine going outside of the door and watching this huge army all locked and loaded, ready to take you into custody? Elisha says, no problem. He goes out and notice what he does. In verse 18, and when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. So Elisha comes out and says, no problem. God, make them blind. Close their eyes. 
Make them where they can't see. And now all of a sudden this entire army is blind. Well, what good is a blind army? How are you going to find the guy that you're looking for? So Elisha starts speaking to him. Verse 19, Elisha said to them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. So he says, I, you're at the wrong place, but you know what? I'll be nice. I'll take you to where you're supposed to go. Follow me. Can you imagine an army? Some people on horses and chariots, some walking, trying to hold on to the guy in front of them. And they're all marching together, all blind. Maybe they're tying ropes to each other and holding it on. But this whole entire army's blind. And Elisha's leading this whole army. You can almost see him with a uh, standing in front. His servants got the rope and people in the army is hiding onto this rope. And he's bringing this whole army several cities away traveling miles away. Finally, they arrive at Syria or in the the city of Samaria. And when it came to pass, verse 20, when they came to Samaria, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So again, he he prays the same prayer. Open their eyes that they may see. They were once blind, but now they see. And they... The Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king came out and said to Elijah, when he saw them, my father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? So he, he comes out, sees Elisha, and you can see, oh, should I kill them all? I could kill this whole army? And Elisha replies to him and says, no. If you had prisoners of war, would you kill the people that you captured? These people are captured. They're helpless. They could see now, but they're not going to put up a fight. You should just feed them and send them home. They're not going to bother you anymore. Why? Oh, because they realize that there's a real God that answers prayer. They're not going to mess with this again. Would you, if you were one of those chariot drivers, would you want to go fight after Elijah again? Nope, I'll pass that assignment on. I'm not going to mess with them. And you know what happened? Their border war stopped. They stopped sending uh, troops in there. Now, it didn't stop the entire war, but they stopped sending little skirmishes in. And what we see here is that Elisha had compassion on them. That even though the Syrians were targeting him, they were after Elisha, he had compassion and he wanted them to live. You know we have the same principle of wanting people to see found in the Bible. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Acts, chapter number 26. Acts chapter 26. In Acts 26, we have the apostle Paul. And we could see his commission, what he was sent to do. Acts chapter 26, if you don't mind. And um, if you don't mind, let's see as he gives this account. Remember, Saul was a persecutor of the Christians. And he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Here it is, years later, about 30 years later, he's still telling the testimony, let me tell you how I came to know the Lord. And notice as God gives him a commission during this time. Notice with me in verse number 15, just as a running start. Uh, Verse 14 as a running start. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, Why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand up on thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, 
to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of the things which I will appear unto thee. So notice this as he starts off. He says, I made thee a minister of those things that you have seen and of the things in which I will appear unto thee. Delivering from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. You know what Paul was sent to do by Jesus himself? To go open the eyes of those that are blind. To be a witness. To go tell those in a lost and dying world that there is a God who was willing to forgive sins. And that their eyes may be opened. That was his commission. And the reason why is because Satan has blinded people. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Again, we're just tracing this idea that God can open the eyes of those that cannot see. We understand that in the physical world, we can only see a tiny bit inside of the electromagnetic spectrum. But we can only see the physical world that we miss that there's a spiritual world. And in that spiritual world, there are people that are blinded. They do not see that Jesus is God. They don't see that Jesus died for us and to give us forgiveness of sins. And those people need to have their eyes open. And that was Paul's job. Notice if you don't mind in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Notice this if you don't mind as it picks it up in verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan has tried to blind people from seeing. It is our job to give them the gospel so that they can see. Let me give you a principle here. This is true about every single one of us. There are things in our life that we cannot see ourselves. But others can see very, very clearly. We're blinded to those things. That's why it's good to have biblical counselors. That's why it's good to have the Bible. You know what the Bible is? It's a mirror that gives us an accurate reflection of whom we are. Do you know why people don't like the Bible? They don't like what they see in the mirror. It shows us our flaws. It shows us the beam in our eye. It shows us the things that need to be fixed. And because people don't want to fix them, they don't like the Bible. You know what happens if you want to be right with God? You get more of the Bible so he can fix the things and expose the things that need to be seen, that need to be taken care of. But there's also a world out there that is blinded. And spiritual blindness is a real thing. That they cannot comprehend on their own. They don't understand why people are in church on Sunday morning. It honestly baffles them. There are some people that don't have, understand the need of going to Sunday school. Sunday school is important. There are times that we lack discernment. What is discernment? It is far-seeing. It's not seeing where you are, it's seeing where you're going. It's seeing what the path you are currently on is taking you. 
Discernment comes from God. Opening our eyes and letting us see where we're going. You know what we have here is we have an instruction to pray. You have someone that's refusing to listen to the gospel. Pray that God would open their eyes that they may see. You have someone that you're dealing with that lacks discernment. You could just talk to God and say, God, open their eyes that they may see. You know that you have some things that you need to see in your life, but you can't see them for yourself. Ask God to open your eyes that you may see. This is such a simple prayer, but it is revolutionary. Because we all are limited in our vision. There are things that we cannot see that are plainly around us. Hey, it's hard to miss the chariots of fire. But he was blinded towards them. And God had to reveal them. Open their eyes that they may see. For us specifically, there are people that are hid in darkness. That Satan has blinded them. They need to hear the gospel. They need to hear that Jesus saved them. So that way they can understand and they can see. Again, this is a good principle for us to realize there is a spiritual world we cannot see. But God can give us those eyes that we can see. God can give us discernment. God can give us what we need. Maybe there's something in your life that you know that you're having a hard time seeing. Others can see it. They're trying to point it out to you. But you don't see it. Maybe you just need to humble yourself and say, God... Will you show me what it is so I could take care of it? Now, that's a big prayer. That's a hard prayer. Because we don't like to find flaws in ourselves. Let me prove it to you. My loving wife comes to me and says, Honey, you got something in your teeth. You think I want to hear that? No. But I need to be humble that she saw something in me that she's pointing out so I could fix it. That's a loving act she had. But you know, people respond wrong to that. Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Maybe you have someone who's not saved and they're so blinded. They, they're just, they can't comprehend anything about church. They don't understand why you read the Bible. They don't understand why you have to spend some time passing out. They just it had no clue. You know what you could do is you could pray and say, God, open their eyes that they may see. Maybe you have someone in your life, they're heading down the wrong path and they can't see it. You've tried to argue with them, you've tried to point it out, you've tried to put road signs in them, and they can't see the direction they're going. They don't see the danger they're heading to. Maybe you just need to pray and say, God, open their eyes that they may see. You understand, when we get God involved, God can do so much. He can do so much. What a simple thing it is to ask God open their eyes. And sometimes when they finally see, whoa, that is a cliff. Whoa, that is a snake. Whoa, this is dangerous. Whoa, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. Whoa, there is a God who loves me. And all they needed was to have their eyes open. You can't do it. But God can. Lord, open their eyes that they may see. 
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.